Okay, at this time we're blessed to have our second message for today. Brought to us by Pastor Steve Andrews, entitled, I Will Build My Church. I think I did this once before. I have to put it in quotes. I am not one that's building the church. In every place that I have been, where they decided to change, the way they looked at things, I have felt that Jesus, church, head of the congregation, was there. And when it wasn't, we actually <laughs> leave. But you know, it's, it was a good thing. It was it was um, it was proper. I have lived this way for many many years, and I've seen many things. One of the things that I that I've been very appreciative of here is how God had directed us to this place many years ago. There was a this thing sat out here and for a long time, up for sale. Not a tree, not a, not a parking lot, nothing around it. And the individual was a builder, preacher type, owned it, was owning it through the bank. I would say he was owning it. Anyway, we negotiated a couple of times with him. He wanted to take the loan. We didn't want it wasn't a very good thing to do pay him. So eventually, we're interested, called Florence up, told him if he wanted this building, have it. Went in. That time we were with the church, the Church of God International, and we, they helped us uh, to through the loan. The individual ended up with uh, $25 left. It was an interesting story. Every time we saw moving us in, in the way he wanted us to go for education, we were actually stepchildren of other congregation, and we were needing to find a building, and, and this helped us. God the Father was there with us, and We've been very thankful ever since in having it. It's interesting that this, um, this quote, I didn't put in quotation marks, Matthew, the 16th chapter, is very profoundly, and I think very prophetic in, in what Jesus um, said here about the church. Beginning in verse, thir verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea uh, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they, uh, some said John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, and, one, uh, and then one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You understand the word Christ means the Messiah, translated Messiah, or the anointed. 
So any uh, anyone that was received that kind of position of Messiah or king would have been anointed. So that that word actually is um, a very important word in representing our Savior Jesus Christ. And he's the son of the living, and Peter said, well, you're the son of the living God. And then Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this, but my Father uh, who is in heaven. And I also say to you, that you are Peter. Peter Petros is a small rock, and he says, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, not prevail against it. Rock that he's talking about is himself. And this is so prophetic in that, yes, Jesus was going to build his church. In that particular time, I would think these men that heard that would be, wait a minute, what are you going to do? It's because the word church actually means assembly or called out one. And at that time, they were all going to the synagogue. They were participating every Sabbath. They would go and all the holy days and different things, they would participate in um, the synagogue. So in Matthew, the fourth chapter, we see that it was their custom to go to the synagogue. Matthew 4, verse 23 and 24. And when Jesus went out of Galilee, teaching in all their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of disease among the people, then his fame went throughout all of Syria, and they uh, brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with serious, or various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paraplegics, uh, and he healed them. Whenever we read what Jesus was doing at that time on the earth, you think that he was also um, showing us that there is going to come a time on the earth when many of these things are going to be taken away because Jesus and us are going to be there, we're going to be healing, and he was the forerunner, the one that was prophesying that this was going to happen on the earth someday. He was healing, he was teaching the kingdom of God, and as he was teaching the kingdom of God, he was also healing and, and, and uh, sending out demons. So in the kingdom, those are things that are going to be uh, a part of the kingdom of God. So he was just teaching us that some of the wonderful things that are going to happen in the kingdom. In Luke, the fourth chapter, Jesus comes into the synagogue and finds them um, somewhat receptive, except um, beginning in verse Verse 6 uh, and 14. Now, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As his custom was, 
on the Sabbath day. Anytime we see Jesus setting an example, we know that that's something that we should also be doing. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Christ kept the Sabbath. <clears throat> and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Always looking into the future. All of these things that Jesus was doing, the miracles that he performed, things that he did, were always looking into the future to that day when he would return. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Remember the synagogue, I was, I was going to look it up and read it to you, but I might just paraphrase it a little bit. It was kind of a, kind of a men's club, look at it that way. Um, yes, they studied the Bible. Yes, they understood. Yes, they were very... Um, deep in the scriptures, but they were also very uh, exclusive. Jews at that time were no Gentiles, there were no uncircumcised, anyone in the synagogues, and I believe that there weren't also any women in the synagogues during the service. They may be served or know the things, but I believe it was very exclusive, and so that is the reason why Jesus said, I will build my church. We'll see some things that um, happen later on as Jesus, after his death especially, changed things. He says, um, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your, in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, this is, not jo is this not Joseph's son? So put him down. And he said, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatsoever we have heard down in Capernaum, you also hear in your country. Then he said, surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many um, widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up. And there were three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them Elijah sent except to Zarephath um, in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman, Syrian. So all those who were in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Passing through in the midst of them, he went his way. So already, Jesus' preaching began to have problems in the synagogue because of the things that he said and who he was and the things that, he, that was going to come to pass pretty soon it was very obvious that there was going to be a change. We still have synagogues today. 
we have churches today. So um, the Jews did not accept Jesus Christ as their personal, as you know, as the Messiah. In Acts, the second chapter, another interesting thing happened. They're all very familiar with all of this chapter. But I want to read um, just a few verses here, 1 through 13. Because the miracle that happened is something that was necessary and it needs to continue, was necessary to continue on for the gospel preached. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all of one accord in one place, and, and, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them um, divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, actually, actually other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. There uh, were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So this was a gathering uh, for, the, for the day of Pentecost. And they, the Jews were gathered there. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak uh, Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Galicia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, uh, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. A miracle that happened and a miracle that continues today because God blesses certain individuals, certain blessing of translating languages. Down through the time, God has blessed individuals to be able to see. Anybody looked at cuneiform before? <laughs> Can anybody figure that out? There are scholars who have figured out what, and there are languages. Aramaic is a very, very difficult one to see the characters, and even even Hebrew in the original, all just letters were just all, you know, essentially together. You had to know how how they were put together. God blessed individual down through ages with ability the words, be able to translate into all of these languages. I know I brought that book out to thousands different. There's been more. There's lots of translations of the Bible, but there's also those that are able to speak in different languages. I was always uh, so amazed at my brother-in-law and how he was able to handle all of those different languages. But it's because Jesus has said, I am going to build my church. And here's also what he said in Matthew 28th chapter. And how is that going to be fulfilled unless there are miracles? That miracle is the ability 
to translate or to be able to know languages. He says in Matthew, the 28th chapter, the great commission that all of us have today. I'm going to mention that in a minute. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That commission takes us all the way into the kingdom of God. Brother, and even beyond, because I am sure we're going to still be teaching right in through the kingdom, right into the, uh, the hundred-year period of the great uh, um, that that time when all are resurrected. All of this will be preached and taught. Continue to do that, and God has given the blessing, being able to translate God's word, truth. Jesus said. He would build, and he has, down through the ages, built that. And there continues to be many being called today, many being called. So we are commanded so that to the best of our ability to go into all the world. And so we, hey, listening in, make this on a weekly basis, able to give this live stream, to might tune in. Might listen to our to the word of God, to the truth that's written in this Bible. So we're we're um, we're trying to fulfill that commission to the best of our ability. In Matthew the twelfth chapter, one other thing that needs. Matthew 12, beginning in verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, um, verse 14 says, Then when uh, the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him. And he healed them all, yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. I will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will be, he will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench, till he has sent forth justice to victory. And his name, Gentiles, will trust. The prophecy to go to the Gentiles was given to Jesus to do. It was given that they were open this up to all, to the Gentiles also. Remember, it was a very exclusive thing when Jesus walked in jewelry. 
And you know, he, he would remind them all of these things were already written in Scripture. He would constantly remind them Scripture revealed him, revealed the future, revealed all of that. I'm not talking about the epistles or the or the, the testament of Jesus and all of those things. I'm talking about that, the, the Tanakh, those early writings that were already there, were already available. And he would remind them through these various things that he would say and, and, and be written of him that they needed to understand this. A lot of times they did not understand it, did not comprehend so they killed Jesus because of the words that he said. Oh. But this gospel was to go to all the world and all nations and all. So it was an interesting thing when all of a sudden um, Peter was confronted with this thing that came down out of heaven. A voice came and says, Eat and all unclean stuff. And Peter says, No, I said I don't eat that kind of stuff. Three times it came down. Three times he was told to take and to eat. Never did. But he finally it was finally revealed to him why this was done. And there was a family which spirit had gone. They were Gentile. Let's go to Acts, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse um, 31. And said, Cornelius, your prayer, this is um, so I'm going to, let's pick it up in verse 30. So Cornelius said, Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. At the ninth hour I, hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa, and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simeon, a tanner by the sea, when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded by uh, uh, commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, "In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him." The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all of Judea, and began from Galilee and after baptism, which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those, all who were oppressed and by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before, my God, before God, 
before by God, even um, to us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he who is ordained by God to judge of the living and the dead, to him all prophets uh, witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. So we can see this prophetic thing that even Peter realizes this is so profound that the Spirit is given to this, these Gentiles and God has opened the door for all. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. What a marvelous miracle that opened the door to all who come and receive Jesus Christ in their life. Tremendous miracle that happened there to the Gentiles, to a Gentile family, opened the door and opened the eyes of one who was very skeptical about this happening. As Peter was very skeptical about that. But when he saw that Holy Spirit given, all the power that was there, he believed. And he believed that God was changing things. So in Matthew, the 24th chapter, we find some, some things that are going to happen that are going to be um, right after, especially right after the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, there was a lot of false Christ and false um, things, false religions and different things. It came to try to, to suppress truth of what God was doing. And Jesus prophesied that in Matthew, the fourth cha 24th chapter. He says, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him uh, to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, Do you not see that these things, assuredly I say to you, not one of these stones shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down? Of course, he was talking about. 70 A.D. when the Romans came and attacked Jerusalem and the temple and destroyed all of that. And it was the end of that and there was a great disbursement of the Jews all over the world after that. Now, as he sat at the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? And Jesus said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am, the, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. It did happen. A lot of things going on that um, were deceiving many at that time. It is still going on today, isn't it? Still a part of our society. If you're not understanding the scriptures, you can be fooled by the things that are being said, and can be taken... Um, by them. 
And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled. For these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation to kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. He that endures to the end shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. The end, then the end will come. Those are powerful words, Jesus' prophetic words. And down through the ages, we've had many wars. We've had famines. We've had different things that have happened in society. And we're very you know, familiar with that. But the thing is, what is coming? What are the things that are going to be coming that are going to be even more devastating, that are going to affect us? Are we ready? Are we ready for those? I see things in the society that we live in that are really pushing this um, uh, Christianity away and bringing in all of those horrible things that totally against God's word, totally against God's truth. It's going to be more and more difficult to bring this message to people and help them to understand how evil that is, how much that is going to do. And it may be very difficult to get it out. So I just keep thinking about the prophecies that Jesus has given us, the understanding that the Bible gives us, especially about the end time. In Acts, the 26th chapter, and I think I've got enough time to cover this, Paul makes, goes before two very powerful individuals. And the, the, the scripture says that when that day comes, if you are brought up before kings or before the rulers and you have to explain yourself, God will provide that, uh, that power there. And Paul, of course, was able to articulate very well is what he went through and what he was preaching and what he was teaching. And it was a powerful uh, presentation before these very powerful men. And one of them was Agrippa. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't Agrippa I, it was actually Agrippa II. I have a, uh, I'm going to read the, this here in just a minute, but Agrippa II was uh, from AD 50 to AD 100. That's what he lived. Agrippa II was the son of Agrippa I and Cyprus. In AD 56 years after his father's death, Claudius made him king uh, of Galicius. Uh, Agrippa II was the, in control of the temple treasury, the vestments of the high priest, thus could appoint uh, the high priest. The, the, Roman, uh, the Romans consulted him on religious matters, probably why Festus asked him, to uh, hear the Apostle Paul at Caesarea, A.D. 59, where he was uh, accompanied by his sister Bernice. In May of uh, A.D. 666, the Palestinian Revolution began. When Agrippa's attempt to quell this revolt failed, he became a staunch ally of the Romans throughout 
the entire war. Uh, during this time, Nero committed suicide, and the new emperor, uh, Galba, uh, was murdered, and Vespasian, uh, Vespasian became the emperor after uh, pledging his allegiance uh, to the new emperor. So uh, you can read the rest of that later. But Festus Porcus, that's his name, Roman uh, procurator or governor of Judea who succeeded Felix um, Antonius and who was uh, succeeded by Albinus. The precise date of Porcus Festus' ascension to power is debatable, but has been narrowed to somewhere between A.D. 55 and A.D. 60. The only sources mentioned Festus are the Book of Acts and the writings of Josephus, Jewish historian who lived in Rome in the first century A.D. So these are the two people that Paul goes up before and gives this powerful, powerful message to them. And sometimes you think, anyway, I had to go before you know, some governor or something else. I would be able to, to handle myself. But I think God would, would bless us with that. Well, let's, let's pick it up here. Um, In verse, let's just pick it up in verse 1. He said, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I, will, I, I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are uh, expert in all customs and questions which has to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear my, uh, me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning uh, among my own nation as nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged in hope um, for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes earnestly served God night and day, hope to obtain, for this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should, I, uh, why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must be, do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem. Many of the saints <clears throat> I shut up in the prison having received the authority from the chief priests, and, the, and, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Boy, did he get converted. <laughs> While thus occupied... As I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission to priest, midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun shining around me, those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the, the gourds. 
So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I have, uh, have, will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you. Jesus is building church. Paul became a part of that. He said to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of all sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all of the region of Judea and through the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works befitting repentance. For those reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand witness both small and great, saying, No other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and will proclaim the light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Sometimes you go before, don't get it. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, to speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was, was, done, uh, was not done in the corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I, except for these chains. When he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. When they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, this man has done nothing uh, uh, deserving of death and, or chains. And Agrippa says to Festus, this might, man might have been set free if it had not, a, if it had not appear, uh, appealed to Caesar. But he would have been dead if he hadn't appealed to Caesar at the time. So um, it was a great witness that he had, a, fan, a, a wonderful, powerful witness before these people. In John, the 17th chapter, Jesus says we are to keep this way, the name of God. In uh, John 17, in the verse, beginning in verse 9, we're very familiar with this. We read these all um, in the Passover every year. But it's all important to understand. I pray for them. I need not pray for the world, for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. 
and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be, uh, may be one as we are. While I was with them in the, the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I, I have kept, and none uh, of them is uh, lost except the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Now I come to you. These things I speak in the, uh, in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. The word is truth. And so Jesus, in his prayer, prophesying that all that come down through the ages, talking about them, but he's also talking about us, down through the ages, we would be sanctified, we would be set apart, we would be holy, by the word of God. It says, um, as you have sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. So, Jesus had said, they were to be kept um, in, in the name of God. And, and so, our, our church is called the Church of God. Of the Tulsa Church of God, but it's also the Church of God, or in understanding that the word church means assembly, or we could be the assembly of God, we could kind of use the, uh, the other ones, there's several of them out there, um, but we've chosen the Church of God. We're called out, or the assembly of I, I like I like the word called out, and some of the some of these organizations use that word in a different way. Try to read it, and you try to think, how does that fit <laughs> with, with what they've got on their side? Because we are the called out of God. We have been chosen by God. We are the called out ones of God. That is the important thing to understand. And Jesus had put all that he was calling in that particular place. We are the called out God. And, first, and of course, we see here again um, a confirmation of that. Paul, in his introduction to 1 Corinthians, says, Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and, 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 and Sothenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, Called to be saints, with all who in every place call in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you, Christ Jesus. All of us, every church, would read this, would take those words to heart. To the church of God, to the Tulsa church of God which is at Tulsa, to those who are sanctified, as we are. In Christ Jesus, our head, head of this church is Christ Jesus, 
called to be saints. We don't have to wait till death. We are saints. We are holy ones to God. All saints, or to be is actually in italics, we are actually called saints. With all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ. And we do. Call on the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Lord, both theirs and ours. And one more. Galatians, third chapter. Finish up. Paul has always has some beautiful words and beautiful things to say. And makes us wish that um, the kingdom was already here. We were already participating in it. We were already doing the things that he wanted us to do. We were already following in the footsteps um, Jesus and healing and doing those things in the, in the kingdom, preaching and teaching in the kingdom. But he does encourage us in many, many ways in the scriptures. And then Paul here in, in Galatians, the third chapter, he says, verse uh, 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. For you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. See how important and how profound the, the, the prophecies uh, are about what Jesus is doing and has, is continuing to do. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heir. And that's only a small part this vast story that's out there uh, trying to bring some, some light to, to understanding the church and how these things have changed and persecutions that happened and different things that are going on. And the more I study it, the more I realize, wow, how God has dealt with different individuals down through the ages, how Jesus has called individuals down through the ages, and he continues to call individuals today. Bringing them out of this world is going to be more and more difficult because of the things that are being taught in the schools. And it's going to be so difficult to help them to overcome the things that are that are out there. So we need to pray to God to, to open our uh, hearts and, and minds so that we can reach out with the Spirit and reach people and help them to understand this truth and to come out of this world. The world is getting worse and worse. It's going to be more and more difficult to be a Christian. And yet it's worthy of eternal life because that's what we're looking God, looking to that day, we will be all in the kingdom of God doing the things that he wants us to do.